And so what was driving was not the level of experience or the career path or even the education level, but what was really driving was the generation they belonged to. Mm. And so that was one, one of the main reasons that we thought uh, that, you know, even Europe, which is a bit slower, I guess, than Asia, was ready for user-generated content and uh, organic live shows, um, you know, to be a good match for, uh, for e-commerce. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, the number one ranked entrepreneurship podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and those aspiring to be so. The aim of this show is to showcase the world's most inspiring and interesting people who've decided to screw it, just do it. We offer 20% inspiration and 80% education, giving you the tools and advice to start, grow, and scale a successful business. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, podcast agency owner with a number one podcast and startup advisor to global startup generator and early stage VC, Antler. Each week, I release two episodes, a Q&A every Wednesday with one of the world's most inspiring figures, plus a solo episode every Saturday where I cover the challenges that all of us are facing as entrepreneurs. So I've had the privilege of chatting to some amazingly successful entrepreneurs who've built some unbelievable businesses. And we've talked about the different ways as a business owner that you can fund the growth of your business, from venture capital to crowdfunding and everything in between. Now, a number of these entrepreneurs who I've hosted on this show have chosen the same type of finance brought by the same business. And I've decided to choose the same business myself to bring you this podcast. And that company is called Molten, the investment platform for the visionaries who invent the future. The likes of Trustpilot's Peter Holton Mulman, All Plants founder Jonathan Petrides, Gray's CEO Anthony Fletcher, to name but a few. And venture capital essentially gives companies the fuel they need to realize their ambitions, to transform, to expand, and to grow. And Molten are forging their own way forward, and you're welcome to join them. Over 2,500 businesses approach Molten for investment each year. They make just a handful of investments. Look, success isn't built in a day. But if you're ready to venture out of the box go to moltenventures.com. Here's to ambitious visions that buck the trend. The team at Molten Ventures believe it's their role to make more possible. To help their portfolio transform, the Molten team bring their energy. This energy takes the form of capital, experience, knowledge, and networks delivered over the long term. Right, welcome to another episode of Screw It, Just Do It with me, Alex, and my special guest this week, Ricardo Basil, who is the CEO and co-founder of Agora. So Agora is the fastest growing video-based application dedicated to beauty. Agora gives their community the opportunity to share their beauty, skincare, and wellness tips and reviews via shoppable short videos. So uh, welcome to the show, first of all, uh, Ricardo, and um, we'd love to know you know, where did you come up with the, the idea for this? I understand yourself and, and Lizzie Townsend Road with the uh, Rose are the, the co-founders. Yes, uh, Alex, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, 
the idea for Agora comes really from uh, our the professional background that both Lids and I share, uh, which goes back to Asia, where in 2012 we were both part of a team of co-founders company called Lazada. Lazada yeah. was the first um, sort of uh, pan. Uh, well, the, the, was the first um, multinational. Uh, e-commerce platform dedicated to uh, Southeast Asia, countries like Thailand, Philippines, Vietnam, Indonesia, uh, Malaysia, and Singapore. Um, and um, Liz and I were both part of the, they were co-founders and uh, became the part of the leadership of the company. I personally was in charge of Thailand for a long time, and then I was group chief commercial officer, and Liz instead was uh, started her career in Malaysia and then moved to uh, the our original team in Singapore, um, and when what happened to the data is that in 2016 we sold it to the Alibaba Group, and that was a very uh, pivotal uh, moment, a seminal moment for us because we had the opportunity to work with uh, a team that had really pioneered a way, uh, a new generation e-commerce that had seen very strong and new trends coming in the core market in China. And was then, uh, and, and their mission was then to take those trends and bring them to Lazada, to the company they just acquired. So the subsequent two and a half years post the, um, uh, you know, the acquisition from Alibaba in 2016 to uh, half 2018 were very interesting uh, years during which we had the opportunity to really um, sit next to the Alibaba uh, management and learn directly from them on how and what were the trends and how to actually build them from zero. And I'm talking about social uh, media mechanics applied to e-commerce uh, and, of course, content uh, content and commerce uh, elements, stuff like live streaming and video reviews and other things. And so when um, the, the deal with Alibaba had a lockup period of two years, so after two and a half years, uh, most of the founder left, including Leeds and I, and then when we came back to Europe, we realized that what had for us become our uh, daily mantra, so the importance of combining content and commerce, and the power of um, you know, leveraging on content creators to build a new uh, profession, almost, uh, like a yeah. meta-seller profession, and uh, to build that uh, whole ecosystem and the ability and the, the power of uh, bringing that ecosystem uh, to uh, basically create new ways of shopping online for the users. All of that, that for us was like obvious at that point, had not even started in Europe. And so obviously we decided to uh, build a company. Uh, um, and this is the origin of Agora. Agora means marketplace in Greek. And that's what we are, are a marketplace um, where economic but also social aspects of life are reflected specifically for what is beauty and wellness. And what was it like, you know, in, in that time? So say you you, you sold uh, the business to, to Alibaba and you, you were part of the management group then for, for, for those years. What, would it, what was it like working with Alibaba at that time, and you know, what kind of insights did you did, did you gain from that? Well, it was a great experience. It was very um, intellectually and professionally 
fascinating. Um, there is, um, I believe the one of the very national acquisitions that I did, and uh, the team that was technically very well equipped. So all the people that were sent from Alibaba to work with us and to kind of take over the company from us were great professionals. But for most of them, most of them didn't have a, a lot of experience into work in a national environment. Some of them had never lived outside of China. Some actually had been trained, maybe went to uni into the US, so they actually were had a strong international background, but had no leadership experience outside of China. And so well, the cultural... Uh, you know, the cultural integration between our culture, which was strongly European, a culture where there's no questions, if you if you will. So no, like the, the my career before I got out was, I spent many years at a company called McKinsey. And yeah. one of the core values of McKinsey is uh, the obligation to dissent. So you're not, you're not given the, uh, the opportunity to dissent, but if you you have to dissent, uh, if you do, of course you have to argument. You have a reason to dissent, but it is your duty to dissent, regardless of your seniority. And this this culture, uh, you know, it took a lot of work to make it gel with a culture where um, asking question could be seen as an offense to how eloquent is the leader, mm. which to a certain degree is what we have experienced. Some aspects of, of the Chinese uh, of the Chinese culture. So, yes, there was a you know that the cultural element was very uh, fascinating and was you know to certainly But at the same time, there was this incredible uh, wealth of knowledge that came from our colleagues from Alaba. and that was another phenomenal aspect where we could really we had the opportunity to look into the future to see what would have happened to Lazada. In, fa in fact. What I think would uh, will then happen to the rest of uh, commerce globally, and specifically, what we do with Agora is the importance of how you can unlock shopping experiences that are traditionally not served by e-commerce. Uh, shopping experience uh, like um, um, what what is trust-based, what is fun-based, what is uh, what is more instinctual, instinctive, for example. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, all those use cases that traditional e-commerce seem not to be able to, to serve are really unlocked by combining commerce with uh, content, for example, live streaming events. Uh, and so from a professional perspective, it was a fantastic opportunity to work with global experts uh, and to learn directly from them. Sounds, sounds phenomenal. And, and, and for you and, and Lizzie then, did you... You already had that relationship um, together um, from from previously there. Um, was it a given that you were going to start this business together, or was it like a process of many conversations that kind of led you to go? Do you know what? There's an opportunity here. Let's let's leverage it. Let's let's work together. Well, it's very interesting because both Lids and I came to the so it was not a given that we would build this company. It it happened. Uh, in a very organic way. And it all started because we met in London. We both wanted to move back to Europe. So we both moved to London without having really um, a clear next step in our career. 
Uh, and then we went for uh, went for lunch, and we 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 realized that we both had pretty much the same idea. Uh, again, cool. coming from uh, the direct experience of seeing what the e-commerce of the future, what we think is the e-commerce of the future, like, and comparing it with the status of e-commerce uh, in, that in Europe back when we started, but it doesn't really hasn't changed much so far. Um, and so we we realized that we both had a passion to uh, to build a company in that space, and then together we decided that the right industry, the right vertical that we wanted to start from was uh, beauty and wellness, because it's a fantastic category that we've seen at work in Asia, and is particularly underdeveloped and underpenetrated by e-commerce in this part of the world. And then from there, we uh, you know we wrote the first presentation, raised the pre-seed, and you know, uh, we've been uh, over two years of building this company together. Awesome. And for those who are listening who um, haven't been on the platform yet, um, can you describe to them how it works, like how the content creators can, you know, essentially get, get rewarded from there as well? Sure. So again, um, Agora allows um, the users uh, to shop online. As we speak, we have over 14,000 products listed on the platform. We are a full-blown marketplace. Uh, but we launched the actual marketplace only in September, so about uh, one and a half months ago. And, uh, and so the, the growth in assortment and brands listed and sellers listed uh, is, is very, very impressive. Um, but so we allow our users to shop those products with um, uh, the element of an content, which is both comes in terms of user-generated content, so video reviews that are tagged to individual products, and in terms of live streaming events, which are run by uh, a variety of, uh, by like a, a pool of content creators that we call ambassadors. And our ambassadors, uh, we have a pool now of 300 ambassadors, and they typically are um, people that have a passion for beauty, people who work in beauty, for example, makeup artists, or people who uh, are professional sellers in shopping malls, but also students, but also uh, skincare experts. Um, and all these people have the opportunity to go live on the app uh, and to make uh, money by selling. Okay. And do you, did you look at it as an industry where you've got, you know, that kind of established like QVC model of, you know, selling products and go, do you know what, this is this is right for disruption here? Yeah, I don't think necessarily we're disrupting QVC. I recently went for um, to a, a dinner and I, uh, I met the CEO of leading uh, QVC channels here in the UK. And there's a lot of elements that are similar, but remember, QVC is a business where the average um, consumer is between 55 and in some cases even 65 plus. Wow. Uh, so this is a model that clearly works for a certain type of people that spend a lot of time watching TV. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we are really disrupting QVC. What we're doing is we're building a similar experience as if, as in, uh, as when you walk, for example, into the Harrods beauty floor, where we had the opportunity to chit chat with some great people. And very often when, um, and this is the case, both for um, um, you know, men and women, but I think when, when it comes to beauty, I think women are more early adopters, if you will. Mm -hmm. And 
maybe people walking onto the floor with no intention to shop and then end up having spent you know, a certain amount of money on products just because they got inspired or interested mm-hmm. or they actually had a problem that uh, they wanted to solve solve by you know, the interaction with the um, uh, sales rep. So that experience can be magnified by uh, the live, uh, the, you know, live technology on your phone. Because if in a, in a beauty store of Harrods you end up talking to someone that you non, don't necessarily relate to, on a live event you can cherry pick the type of people you actually like that that you tend to trust that maybe have your same skin type or your same age, your same style. And maybe that talk about products that you have an interest for, and maybe they even have uh, skin problems or skin, um, you know, conditions that are similar to yours. So when, uh, with the ability to tailor that experience, uh, then it becomes more interesting. And of course, uh, it's not exactly the same being watching a live than chit-chatting with a sales rep. But you can ask questions, and uh, there is a variety of experiences that sales rep cannot provide, which is an example of the gamification element and and, and other almost entertainment uh, aspects that are more similar to entertainment than pure shopping. So this is, um, so in fact, I don't think we are disrupting QVC. I think we are providing a shopping mall experience right onto your phone. And uh, and this is so because you have a wide selection of products. So it's not narrow, like 50 products like in QVC. It is mm. thousand, and we plan on expanding very rapidly. And at the same time, you have the ability to have enhanced content to allow your shopping, to empower your shopping experience. And when you were starting out with this, and you, as you say, you've just got like 14,000 products on the month and a half, half ago, um, were, you know, two, two of the challenges, you know, one, how do we find, uh, get this in front of the right customer? And two, how do we find the right content creators as well? Was it like a two-pronged approach? Sure. So how to, I think everything happened relatively organically. At the moment, we have around... 300,000 um, users that have downloaded the app in the UK. We are wow. only focused on the UK and we are only available on iOS. So, it's t- and because our kind of sweet spot is Gen Z plus millennials and 90% of our users for now are female, although we mm-hmm. see great potential also for male beauty, which is a very up and coming category. But then yeah. you, you see that we start being quite relevant despite, of course, being at the very beginning. And um, the, the, I would say the majority of the download happened organically. So yes, we are uh, present on social media. So we do uh, marketing on Instagram and to be fair, uh, on, uh, growingly and importantly on TikTok as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, over 60% of our downloads uh, are not uh, directly related to marketing activities. And the same goes for, so that's how uh, we, you know, spread the voice out. And when it comes to content creator, many of the content creators we found originally were users of the app. So just people that are really keen, very engaged with the app. From the very beginning, the app allowed users to post video content. I said we launched a marketplace one and a half months ago, but the app has been live uh, for about 18 months. And in the past, we started off the content platform for beauty. And in order to... You know, so that when we would launch the marketplace, we would be already a relevant player in the market. 
and a lot of the ambassadors are people that started uploading videos and a passion for what for what we were doing, who understand the ethos of the platform, which is, you know, beauty gets real. So making beauty accessible and real for everyone. Um, and, and this is what the first court. And of course, in time, we expanded by reaching out to great content creators that are active on, uh, on social media. And we invited them to join, uh, to join the team. Got you. And, and you mentioned there, remind me, what was the, the stats that you, you had with the, the users at the moment? So would you say it's like 90% female? Was that the number you had? That's right. So we have around, I would say, we're only allowing shopping in the UK. So 95% of our users are in the UK, of which 90% are uh, female and, and 10% male. Um, we are, as I said, our sweet spot is Gen Z and millennials. So 95% of our users are under the age of 35 and 60% are under the age of 26. So we are, uh, uh, you know, we definitely have a sweet spot and we def definitely have a very a strong connotation from a generational perspective. Um, some of the additional methods I can share with you is that uh, we see live streaming being a phenomenal booster, both in terms of retention and in terms of conversion. We have shows that where during which the conversion is up to 10%. And I spent, as I said, this is my 10th year working in e-commerce and I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. Uh, mm. Imagine, to consider that the historical conversion rate, people say kind of give or take, says if you're doing a decent job is one and a half to 2% in e-commerce. Yeah. Mm. Uh, when you go to 10%, that's very impressive. And not only that, but... This live shows build community of people that tend, tend to come on a regular basis just for that show. So yeah. they, um, so we see very strong um, retention of uh, people who watch, even people who watch just one show tend to be retained two or three times more than users who don't uh, watch a show. In fact, now we are ramping up the number of shows from one or two a day to already this week we are three, four shows a day, and we're gonna ramp it up uh, very aggressively in the course in the rest of the year. Uh, hopefully, for Black Friday we're gonna have a non-stop marathon of shows, and uh, and 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 that's the plan because we want to give to more and more contributors and um, content creators the ability to uh, go live and you know and to sell. I was going to say you're going to ramp things up for like Black Friday and then leading up to Christmas, you'd have like more shows as more people are yeah. going online to do their shopping. Yeah, yeah. And you know, for we also, but this is not just great for the users. We think this is great also for the content creators. So imagine if, you know, there's some, you know, we actually had many messages from uh, our early adopters in terms of early content creators, early ambassadors. Uh, that said, I would never believe that we could make money, so much money, so much so fast. Consider that if you work in Harrods, which is a very, uh, you know, it's actually a great job. It's a job that many people aspire to. Mm. Land, um, you have a commission that goes between one and three percent on what you sell. Mm. But how many products can you really sell a day? Imagine like there's a physical constraint, which is you need to serve a customer at a time, and each customer is you, you need to talk to for, let's say, 10, 15 minutes, minimum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and imagine if you could do, when you do a live streaming show, our best shows have attendance that when it goes up to uh, 1,500 or even 2,000 attendance, and we just started, naturally. So imagine yeah. 
what that means in terms of your ability to monetize your time. Mm. And the commission we pay is much higher than, than, than 3%. So this is a really disrupting model because it's creating a new profession for our content creators. And of course, thirdly, I talk about the consumer, I talk about the content creators, but also this is a disrupting model for the brands, both independent up and coming brands and more established brands. Uh, for them to connect with the community, to understand what the community likes, to understand their reactions, and to sell in a different way. So to move away from the bi-dimensional kind of um, traditional e-commerce product page that doesn't really have the ability to convey the ethos of the brand or the meaning of what the brand is doing, to a you know, live experience where, um, you know, content creators can really convey that message in a more uh, profound and beautiful way. That's some really interesting things you said there. And, and one of them I'm always reminded of is, you know, essentially, as you've articulated, you know, creating new careers. Like if you go back, I don't know, a decade ago, uh, there was no such thing as a YouTuber or a podcaster or, or a blogger, yet you're essentially, again, creating new careers for people that, Careers offices aren't even going to be talking about in school yet, are they? That's, that's super exciting. Again, uh, and again, sadly, this is not something I, we are inventing. We're just exporting from East mm. um, into the West. So I recently watched a documentary from the BBC where they were showing... Um, so this profession is called streamer, but streamer not so much in terms of content, but in terms of commerce. So almost mm. like a, I would call it in a slightly more... Uh, old school fashion called the meta seller. So a seller that use uh, that is not physical. So it's metaphysical seller, if you will. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and in China, there's already plenty of training uh, courses for streamer because it's becoming a sought after profession because wow. it can be very remunerative and it also gives a lot of visibility and um, uh, and popularity. So. Uh, there was a BBC documentary on this recently. Um, and I think, yes, for sure, we one of the aim of what we do is to unlock the potential of some great content creators that will make money by selling uh, and by allowing people really to shop in a more educated way. And, and do you have as, as part of your strategy then as you you onboard new content creators to you know access those with bigger followings who can then bring those followings to, to your platform and in and, your and scale? So we had one, uh, one single experiment of that and it was very successful. We did so with a great uh, content creator, her name is Tui Lee. She, uh, we did an activation together. It was very popular, very successful. And we might look at more activations uh, or more partnership like this. However, um, we believe that the real power of the model is in, the, in those people that um, will make that, that, that seed opportunity into being remunerated for selling. And so mm -hmm. those activations with larger influencers are more marketing stunts, whereby we obviously um, end up uh, partnering up with the content creator. And then, of course, uh, it comes as part of a marketing package that we agree yeah. with, with, with the content creator, which is great, but it is, is misses the ecosystemic element, which is really important to what we do.
whereby we need people to join the platform and to work on the platform, for the platform, in their own interest. And so that is really only possible for people that, uh, for people that uh, will be interested in making maybe 10, 15, 20 sales per show to start with. And of course, as the platform scales, we hope to bring stronger, to make, you know, to make the, our content creator grow and make more and more money. And in time, this could be also interesting for a larger content creator. Also, we believe that content creators that are too large, they're maybe very good for inspiring people, but not so good to be relatable and to really uh, bring this beauty gets real experience, which is at the core of what we do. You know, that sort of, this, this, the, 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 the ability for people to relate very closely to the uh, sperm. It's interesting you say that. that a friend of mine is Maria Hatzestefanis, who's the founder of Rodial, um, you know, $100 million beauty brand. And um, she said to me they used to have, and I can't remember which one, but one of the Kardashians like fronting their range. And she said, we just found over time that there was no difference in using her and just using somebody else. And now they're targeting, you know, people who would be more, I guess, micro-influencer level because exactly what you say, the audience can actually identify with them and, and, and see themselves using those products. Yeah, I think when you look at different... We had at the very, very beginning of Agora, we asked ourselves if it would be, you know, it, it, in the industry, it, there is a lot of controversy in the industry, in beauty. There's a lot of controversy whether user-generated content is is, is the right me, uh, media the way way to convey to, to tell the story of a brand, and this is because uh, we you know a lot of the industry is coming from uh, is older and they come from a generation where beauty historically was uh, showcased in magazines that are highly curated, naked Vogue and the likes, on TV commercials highly curated, and on selected point of sales which were, again, highly curated in the same way that, you know, you go to Harrods and it's an incredibly curated, beautiful uh, sh shopping location. Now, the reality is that new generations not only don't value that, but also, to a certain degree, don't trust that experience. So, content mm. that is too curated might be very good, might be good for entertainment, but when it comes to trust, it comes with a... With a um, a lot of skepticism. Mm -hmm. And this, it was very, very clear before launching the company, we had a session with, uh, where we put together 50 people in a room, my co-founder and I, and uh, the early journeys in our team, and we interviewed people, and they were from someone who was doing uh, was doing nails in, a, in the shop in front of the office, to the executive of uh, one of the largest beauty groups in Europe. They were all women, and some men as well, in the room, and we all gave them a questionnaire and we all showed them content and we spent two hours together and the results were appalling because we were, it, it came that the executive, the beauty executive and someone that maybe was, uh, someone was one of the cleaners of the building that was also invited with a passion for beauty. These two people had very different career path, had very similar opinion on what they would trust and they liked in beauty. And then the Imperial College, uh, the Imperial College student and the, um, one of the young ladies that was working in the nail store in front of the office, they also had the very same taste and interest uh, in, in beauty. 
And so what was driving was not the level of experience or the career path or even the education level, but what was really driving was the generation they belonged to. Mm. And so that was one, one of the main reasons that we thought uh, that, you know, even Europe, which is a bit slower, I guess, than Asia, was ready for user-generated content and uh, organic live shows, um, you know, to be a good match for, uh, for e-commerce. And do you, given your past experience as well, um, do you do you see like a window of opportunity here? And do you identify it as being, I don't know, a couple of years or, or months? Uh, you know, where do you see the, the the size of the opportunity that you've got, and how fast are you, you try, yeah. trying to get there? So I guess the size of the opportunity, the only way to to, to, to size it is really to look at China again. In China, this is an industry that if I, I think latest numbers for 2021 is a $300 billion industry, expect, expected to double up, I think by 2025, so to, to $600 billion. The last number so for the US are a fraction of that, and Europe is probably even smaller than, uh, and when we say a fraction, I believe the number I read was 10 billion. You know, these numbers wow. can be, it can vary by multiples, but like if it is not 10 billion, it's probably 15 or five, but that's the order of magnitude. And that's, and you know, $300 billion in China is 15% plus of the overall e-commerce turnover. So it is a really big number even for China. Yeah. And then the US, again, it is a fraction of it and Europe is probably even smaller. So then what, what is the direction? The direction is mega growth. Is it going to be in five years 50 billion, 100 billion, 200 billion, I don't know. Uh, It will be big enough. (laughs) And are we going to be the only ones that do this? Definitely not. We already see TikTok being very aggressive in this space. Um, To be fair, in the US, we already see some great companies coming up and solving a problem similar uh, to the problem that we are solving and raising big rounds. In Europe, there's no mega... Uh, winners yet, hopefully it's us. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the window of opportunity is uh, is in a few years. I also believe that the window of opportunity is not in the live streaming per se. Live streaming is a medium. The window of opportunity is more in a more encompassing way is in what I uh, described earlier. So in the ability to connect directly brands and sellers to a community and content creators. And the content is definitely live, but can also be video reviews and can be different type of content in different type of different formats. Um, the point is that the real disruption is we move from a static e-commerce where you buy, you shop basic, based, based on predominantly discount and uh, service to a, a an ecosystem where you shop based on an experience which is boosted by content. Mm. Yes, it's really important, but is a mean to an end as opposed to the, it's just a mean to an end. Yeah. And you, you mentioned um, like the lives, um, you know, it not just being about the lives, you know, that's just one distribution channel, essentially. Um, now I, I'm in the audio space. I have been for, God, nearly three decades, started out at the BBC um, and now have a, a podcast agency and my own podcast here that, that, that you're um that you're you're guesting on. Have you, you know, we've seen a huge 
blow up in the last 18 months in this industry with all these different audio apps coming up like you know clubhouse fireside green room um do you look at these other distribution channels where again like clubhouse we have a daily show on clubhouse we have like a, a community of ten thousand people on there who you know show up every day you can, you can grow that community do you look at other distribution channels like that specifically being a video app audio is a little bit removed from our core for now although uh, from a pure marketing perspective, any channels have their own validity. And in fact, we started testing some podcast uh, marketing, podcast stunts uh, as we speak, but pure, oh, not on the distribution side, more on the marketing perspective. And I already mentioned that when it comes to marketing, we're very close to TikTok. We have, a, you know, one of our core partners. We're close, obviously, with uh, Instagram and Facebook. And we constantly explore new channels, including, naturally, the first promoter of the app are our content creators who typically have their own followership. It tends to be somewhere between 10,000 and a few hundred thousand. In fact, one of them, uh, when we started working together, she had 10,000 followers. Now she has 2 million followers on TikTok. We also see see, uh, interesting evolutions. Uh, But... Uh, but yeah, so we use, we were very ecosystemic with the other channels, with the other social media, except we want to, to we, the, the core experience happens uh, onto our app. Mm. So, okay. The, app, the live app is on the app, and the e commerce is on the app. Okay, okay. And going back to something you mentioned earlier um, with the size of the, the opportunity for, for males on them and, you know, the products. So, you know, somebody I've interviewed is Danny Gray, who's the founder of Warpaint for Men. So do you see a, quite a big opportunity there that at some point you'll, you'll look to tap into a bit more, that, that, that opportunity for, for male grooming products? Male yeah, grooming. 100%. In fact, I must admit that initially we uh, only focused on female and we had an organic inflow of, of men. So with that yeah. in mind, we started uh, gradually to expand to men I think it is always a function uh, of uh, you know what we offer to the different segments. So our assortment for men at the moment um, needs to be improved. And so as we as assortment and the quality of our offering improves, we will definitely uh, uh, open up open up to men. In general, I think uh, you know a content-based app like ours is even more helpful for men. Because if you ask me, if I had to go on Amazon or on other uh, competing uh, traditional e-commerce and I had to pick a face cream, it would be really hard. I would just Mm. pretty much see the price. And I tried to go, I went to a pharmacy in Italy and I I ended up buying uh, a 50 euro cream, which I thought was a great cream and I was told that it was unnecessarily expensive. So uh, similarly, even more so, uh, you know, I would need guidance. I would need, um, you know, someone that can walk me through what are the options and uh, to make the shopping experience a bit more um, uh, pleasant. So, yeah, uh, that, that's definitely an area of focus. Uh, but again, welcome in conjunction with our development on, uh, on a sermon level. And uh, for those who are listening, our, our audience is really female um, focused. Um, 
as well. Um, for those who are interested in becoming a content creator and you know monetizing that experience, um, what's the easier easiest path for them? Is it a case of you know downloading the app, registering a profile? Yeah, we have. Um, uh, so we recently launched a social media stunt where we uh, proactively uh, uh, invited people to uh, submit their application. We also have a link in the app naturally where they can become ambassadors. And um, and anyways, the easiest way to understand if they like what we do is to download the app, play with it, post the, the post some content, and uh, and take it from there. Uh, and they can always DM our social media, uh, Instagram, TikTok, and you know we will respond uh, right away. Um, what is really important to us, we're not dogmatic in any form of shape on anything that uh, on anything really. We're not dogmatic on age. We're not dogmatic, of course, on uh, gender, and we're not even dogmatic on that necessarily people need to uh, have a 25 uh, year experience in the industry. What we we require from people is honesty and integrity, and this is a very strong ethos onto the app. So we the app is very strongly based on community, and so we need people to abide to that. We have uh, to, to, to that code. We do have a code which is visible on the app, and that talks about uh, you know the importance that we attribute uh, to kindness, to integrity, and the app real. Um, and so we encourage everyone. So naturally, we don't allow everyone to go live just because uh, everyone can upload content on the video reviews, but to go live, you need to um, have some other requirements. And in particular, you need to be okay with uh, staying live for an hour and selling products. This is not something that everyone might enjoy. And my, so that is something that in order to become an ambassador and stream on the app, uh, you know, we will have our community team will reach out to you, have a chat and, and discuss with you if it is the right thing for for, for you. Perfect. Um, and Ricardo, just to, to finish up, when you you know you, you have this vision with Lizzie and you you know good couple of years in now, um, and you identify funding you know as a way to to help you know build that runway to to, to get to the goal of where you want to be. Um, how did the funding path look for you? Did you go down the, the VC route with Draper to start with, or did, did you bootstrap? Did you crowdfund? What was the journey for you like? We had a very um, um, linear journey in the sense that when Lizzie and I started, we already had a backer um, that was a professional investor that was previously uh, one of our co-founders at Lazada. So he was already lined up and he allowed us to uh, can invest in the first uh, the first pre-seed round together with another uh, professional investor, and then in just a matter of weeks we met um, uh, the guy, the Draper, and that process was also seamless and really really fast. Uh, it is worth mentioning that when we met, when we raised our seed round, which was last year, uh, Lizzy was already eight. Uh, and a half month pregnant. <laughs> oh, wow, really? <laughs> maybe eight months and something pregnant, maybe. But then the whole process had to be fast, had to be lean. And so we basically, uh, that was by uh, necessity. But at the same time, it was so because we had a fantastic chemistry with the team, with, with Chris and the rest of the leadership. And um, we immediately understood that we would uh, uh, build something together. 
Amazing. Um, I, I love how you, I don't think anyone can pronounce Agora as, as well as you do, by the way, with your Italian accent. It, it, it puts mine to shame. So um, I really like it. We're actually from in Italy, by the way. From Milano. And okay. um, we picked the Greek word also also because um, I, you know, I, I, I had a class. I went to school in Milano, uh, the high school there, and I studied for five years answering Greek. And I thought I always thought that would come to fruition at some point in my life, and so it was when uh, we had to, you know, we had to pick the name for our company. Um, but yeah, I'm from, I was raised in Milano. That's a cool name, and I, I like it as well. It's good, good. It stands out strong. Um, well, look, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you for taking an hour out of your your busy day um, to to join us here today, and. Um, yeah, much. What's the easiest way? Again, just go straight to the app store, um, download Agora, and um, and get started. Have a little play. Thank you so much, Alex. It's been an honor to be on your show, and you know, look forward to uh, you know, we we stay touch. Hopefully, uh, great um, developments to come. Awesome. Look forward to it. Thank you very much, Ricardo. Take care. So I hope you enjoyed that uh, chat with Ricardo um, from Agora. Clearly, he says Agora far better than me, and so he should because, uh, one, he is Italian, and two, it is his business. Uh, but look, lots of interesting things to discuss there. I mean, working with Alibaba, uh, you know, alongside after having sold a previous company, that must have been a super exciting space to be in. And I thought, yeah, 300,000 um, people downloading the app sounded like a lot to me for a company that's only just getting going. Having 14,000 products already available um, in their marketplace, having only just launched in September as well, um, is really interesting uh, to me. And also, you know, that whole conversation around uh, micro-influencers um, about creating new careers for people, you know, people who have an interest in fashion, in beauty, in wellness, you know, being able to share their love of that and make money at the same time as creating new jobs. I mean, I remember going back to um, a careers day at my kids' school a couple of years ago and every kid coming up to the stand when I was saying, what do you want to be when you grow up was YouTuber. Um, but look, YouTuber wasn't around 10, 15 years ago. It was not such a job. Um, likewise, podcaster, um, blogger, you know, depending on how far you want to go back. So it's it's super interesting, I find. You know, what will be the jobs of tomorrow? Um, we have plenty of chat in the room that I host with uh, Piers Lenny, former Dragon's Den investor and regular guest on the show, around what jobs are going to be taken over by AI, you know, what jobs that there basically won't be a job. A computer will be doing your job for you, a robot. It's a, it's a really interesting uh, discussion for sure. So, you know, I wonder with this, you know, video-based, but I'm just wondering, you know, as part of the discussion, you know, what other opportunities exist, uh, such as in the audio space, to, to help this blow up? Interesting, folks. Um, hope you enjoyed that. Stay tuned for more great episodes throughout this month. If you'd like to learn how to launch and grow your own number one rated podcast like this, 
with zero experience, zero knowledge, and zero tech skills, come and join me at ultimatepodcastmastery.com, where I've just launched, for a limited number of people, a brand new podcast membership course. So you'll get access to my Ultimate Podcast Mastery membership course. You'll get my digital workbook, my progress sheet, my launch checklist, and all of the nitty-gritty cheat sheets, templates, and scripts the Podpreneur way. You'll also get weekly live Q&A with me, exclusive WhatsApp group chat, and entry to my private Facebook group, as well as access to all my past interviews and trainings with special guests as well. This is available for a limited time for a limited number of people. So once it's gone, it's gone. But if you'd like to learn how to do exactly what I'm doing now, then I'll show you how. Head on over to ultimatepodcastmastery.com. If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook, plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. Alongside the Screw It, Just Do It Facebook page, this houses the Screw It, Just Do It community and has the most up-to-date information on all things Screw It, Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you if you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org. I promise to reply. Just give me a little time.